This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Goalie Ashwa Gummies. You can find them at goalie.com. Use promo code the Show Up That Foundation to get 10% off your order. Zendurance Active Wellness and Sports Nutrition. Their products are designed to maximize your health. At Zendurance, they strive to support and have a positive impact on the wellness of every hardworking dad. Use my code the Show Up Dad and get 10% off your next purchase. For more info, go to www.zendurance.com. Tall Man Equipment. Standing taller than the rest of the competition in Lyman Tools since 1952. Give them a follow at www.tallmanequipment.com. And last but not least, Adam Lane Smith. He is an attachment specialist who helps people to heal, connect, and build. Use my promo code SHOW, spelled S-H-O-W, for a 50% discount on his attachment boot camp course. Thank you. Welcome back to the Show Up Dad, where we'll tackle the highs and lows of fatherhood. I'm David, your host, and I'm joined with my beautiful wife, Jenny, to discuss the sensitive topic of forgiving adultery. Adultery can cause immense pain, shattering trust and security in a relationship. Forgiveness is an essential part of healing, whether you choose to reconcile or not. In this final episode of our forgiveness series, we'll explore the aftermath of adultery, how to forgive, and when you should consider reconciliation. So if you find yourself grappling with the pain of adultery, we encourage you to reach out to professionals who specialize in affair recovery. They can offer guidance, support, and a roadmap to help you find healing and ultimately decide the best course of action for yourself and your family. Join us as we embark on this heartfelt conversation, offering hope and inspiration to those seeking forgiveness for adultery. Let's discover together how forgiveness can transform relationships and pave the way for a brighter future. Once again, thank you guys for joining us. Jenny, thank you for being on the show and discussing this topic that I felt was uh, very important. Let's discuss about affairs. Okay, definitely. So uh, affairs are something that it seems to be easier to do them now more than ever, especially with the rise of social media. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and also they, uh, there's always so much stuff we hear on the internet about, you know, all these different things that can cause affairs and stuff like that. But basically bottom line, there's three factors that contribute to an affair and it is going to be one, the person's past, Mm -hmm. any baggage they might've had growing up, if they witnessed uh, parents having affairs or things like that to the environment that they're in. If you're working in an environment where maybe people are having affairs or you have friends that are divorced because of an affair or, you know, it, you're just, you know, in this day and age, 
we're seeing a lot of Mm -hmm. romanticism around affairs in Hollywood movies and, you know, all these different things. And then the third factor is the problems that are happening in the marriage. So to be um, very, you know, blunt, it boils down to the fact that the marriage is not the main contributor of why people choose to have an affair. And I think that's important that we we say that to you guys, because I know so many people that are in affairs, they always blame the spouse or what they did or what they did not do. But like we're discussing now, it's the thirds, okay? It's how you're raised, what you saw, the environment, if it's conducive to that, if, if they're preaching that affairs are okay. And the third is just your marriage, the problems that all marriages have right. within them. Right? So that's not saying that, the marriage itself is not problematic. Obviously, there's probably some issues happening in the marriage, but it's not the entire reason for why a person chooses to have an affair. The reality is, is that when affairs happen, the spouse that betrays the other spouse is making a choice. It's not because the other spouse you know, did this or that. And so now I'm forced to have an affair. That's not how it works. The person that goes out on the affair is making a choice to do that. And nobody can make somebody do that. Mm. And I think that's good because a lot of times the 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 blame, the, the finger pointing, you made me do this or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, it leaves the partner who is betrayed feeling horrible, saying, mm-hmm. man, I should have done this. I should have done this, right? Yeah, it's so traumatic for the betrayed partner because they not only have the betrayal from the unfaithful spouse, Mm -hmm. but now they're being blamed for the reason why it happened. And so what what it really boils down to is that the person, the unfaithful spouse, the reason why they probably chose to have an affair is because they lack tools to cope with everyday life. There might be something really crazy that happened in their life. Like we often see or hear about um, husbands having an affair when a new baby is born. Mm, mm, yes. Or sometimes when there is a death in the family, an affair will happen. Sometimes something really, really crazy usually causes um, something in somebody's life to where they don't know how to cope and deal. So then they go out into this escapism route, Mm -hmm. which is the affair. Wow, that's interesting that you said that because, yeah, you're right, man. When there's a traumatic incident, if you don't know, and like we discuss on our podcast, having to deal with our traumas, right? Mm -hmm. If we don't know how to deal with our triggers, Mm -hmm it could lead to possible affairs. It can. If wow. if you have some of the contributing factors um, that you grew up with, because mm-hmm. not everybody has affairs. No. A lot of people have affairs in good marriages. A lot of people have affairs in bad marriages, but both people won't have an affair. Only one will choose to have the affair. So, mm-hmm. you know, there ha- there's a lot of contributing factors to somebody's baggage that you know, help, you know, kind of leads them down that path. Mm -hmm. But let's also say too, that people that are having that are chronically cheating, that's kind of a different story. Those people might be dealing with sexual addiction. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. So, um, you know, we're here and we know that this is a very sensitive subject. 
and can be very triggering for some people, but we are just here to give you some education and a little bit of a guide mm-hmm. on how to start this journey if you want to possibly reconcile, you know, because this happens in marriages and the per- the the person that was unfaithful, you know, just threw the betrayed spouse into this traumatic storm where now their life is totally turned upside down. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's definitely traumatizing. Um, so there's two different affairs that we want to talk about. There's the physical affair, right? Mm-hmm. Where sex is involved and whatever else. Um, and then there's the emotional affair. Let's discuss that one, the emotional affair. Because I, I know a lot of people think that um, it's okay to flirt or it's okay to to talk to somebody through the internet and stuff like that. These are seemingly unimportant decisions that we make every day. We call them suds, right? So let's talk about that one. Basically, seemingly unimportant decisions can lead you down the path of end up of, of ending up into the extra marital affair, mm-hmm. the big bad situation. I think nowadays, especially with social media, it has become very normalized to seek validation from outside sources mm-hmm. and other people on the internet because it's so easily given. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. And uh, from your perspective, being a woman and stuff like that, um, I'm sure and just having social media and stuff like that, I'm sure you've seen that where people like try to reach out or whatever, you know what I mean? I think for a lot of women, if you've start posting like selfies that get a little bit more and more risque, mm-hmm. you can start receiving a lot of that male validation very easily and very fast. And mm-hmm. we definitely want to avoid that path because that can lead to bigger things such as maybe starting to engage in conversations with the person mm-hmm. online and then eventually meeting up with them. And it, the same is true for men. Men are constantly bombarded Absolutely. with images. And can, maybe you can talk a little bit about that. I mean, the struggle for men on social media, the amount of solicitations mm-hmm. for pornography is just astronomical. Absolutely. Especially knowing that we are very visual as men. Um, we are bombarded with images, sexual images every day. We had JK Mezzi talking about that on our, on our podcast about uh, our pornography, right? Um, mm-hmm. It's very hard. It's very hard. You know, then that falls back to those seemingly unimportant decisions. You know what I mean? I have a lot of guys who say, Hey man, I don't know why my feed has all this. Or even when they pull up a post and they're like, they wanted me to look on their, their phone or whatever. And I see, you know, their, their, their media and it's bombarded with naked chicks, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? On their feed. On their feed. And then yeah. they come to me and they tell me, man, I just, I'm not interested in my wife anymore. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, Oh, well, what the hell are you looking at? <laughs> you know what I, mean? <laughs> I mean, proof is in the pudding. You know what I mean? Yeah. Obviously looking at different stuff, you know what I mean? And it's easy. It's easy. I've fallen victim to that as well. So I'm not perfect by any means. Um, it's so easy to be uh, caught up in that mess because it's so prevalent nowadays. So just safeguard that, you know, safeguard your eyes, man. If you guys value your marriage, husbands, listen up. Okay. If you value your marriage, 
you're going to stop, put a stop to that. Mm -hmm. You're not going to look at that. You're not going to spend time uh, scrolling on that. And when you do do that, don't beat yourself up about it. Just do better the next time. Mm -hmm. Okay. Definitely. Yeah. It's the little things, the little decisions that you make every day that lead you down that dark path. Mm -hmm. It never happens in one big step. No. It's the little things. It's befriending your ex-boyfriend on Facebook and then, you know, liking some of his photos and then ending up talking on messenger with that person and then meeting up with that person and then it turns into more and more and more. It's never you never destroy your marriage in one fell swoop. It happens little tiny bites mm-hmm. at a time little compromises right yes when you start it the little compromises lead to the big compromise and that's why we tell you um you know to safeguard your marriage in these little things because it really does add up to the big things later on absolutely and it's it's kind of crazy that you said that the little compromises i mean we even see that within our industry at work you know what do men do? You know, they take a shortcut here or a shortcut there. And then ultimately it leads into these bigger and bigger accidents and ultimately to a fatality. It's the same thing with your marriage, guys. But instead of looking at it as a fatality on the job, you're looking at it as a fatality in your marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So just keep that in mind. Yeah, definitely. And the destruction of the marriage is not just between the two spouses, but mm-hmm. it also happens to the kids as well. And we just, we're, you know, we're here to try and help you people prevent those things from happening. Absolutely. Our heart is for the family. I mean, obviously um, we wouldn't be doing this stuff for you guys. Um, It's crazy because we don't know how much our decisions impact those around us, right? Mm -hmm. We always think about it in a a very selfish way. And if you think about it, uh, adultery is a selfish act, Okay. At that moment, you're saying, you know, I don't care how this affects anybody. I just want what I want in this moment. Mm -hmm. So it's very, very selfish when we do that. And we don't think about the impact it has on our kids. Um, I had a, a friend of mine come to me one day. He's an older gentleman. He's talking about how his parents are getting a divorce after 50, 60 years of marriage. And how that is impacting him now as a father. I mean, this is a guy who is already established in his relationship. He's married. He has his own kids and it's still affecting him today. Mm-hmm. So you never know how it's going to impact our children. When you get a divorce. When you get a divorce. Yeah. yeah. And so one of the things that is so appealing about affairs to people is that the affair partner acts like a vanity mirror Mm, explain so what happens in these situations and it's really sad is that the person that is unfaithful finds the 20 percent that their spouse is lacking in somebody else so say for instance uh your spouse has 80 percent of the things that you want from a person in a partner but they're lacking 20% because they're human. You know what I mean? Not everybody's going to be 100% mm-hmm. everything you ever desired or wanted. But they go out into the world and they start seeking 
you know, validation from others or whatever it is that's motivating them. Mm -hmm. And they find a person that only has that 20%. You have like a tunnel vision in that moment. Mm -hmm. And you're like, oh, this person's amazing, blah, blah, blah. They're my vanity mirror because they start reflecting back to you everything you ever wanted to know about yourself. They start telling you how amazing you are, how your spouse is like so lucky to have you and all these things. But the reality is, is that you're not living real life with that person. The Mm. affair partner is not living real life with you. They are not sharing bills. They are not sharing the hardship of raising children. They are not dealing with all the hard things that you have to deal with in marriage. And so that affair becomes like this amazing um, fantasy. Fairy tale, right? Yeah, it's all fantasy. And that's why people gravitate towards it. And that's why it can become such an addictive thing for people. Mm, so it can be addicting. So is it like uh, like an addiction like you would have um, per se with like a, a drug, right? It can be. There's something called limerence mm-hmm. when people become kind of addicted to a person. And it can result in very strange dynamics where you know, people can become very jealous in those situations and all kinds of stuff. They need to talk to that person 24-7. There's a lot of weird love bombing, unhealthy, toxic type of things happening there. Mm-hmm. But when they reach out to that person or they talk to that person or they engage with that person, they're having like a chemical, you know, high from that experience. And Sometimes those things are really magnified because they're doing it in a way that's secretive. Mm, So it's the thrill of being secretive, not possibly getting caught, right? Is that what magnifies it? I I think for some of them, it is. And I think that also goes for men that, you know, can be addicted to pornography too. And, you know, it's, it all kind of, meshes in together in a in a way yeah but yeah so it for people that are unfaithful it's because they're having a hard time cope coping with life and they're looking for an escape and that affair partner turns into a vanity mirror for them and it becomes this fantasy escape Mm -hmm. from their real life i thought it was interesting what you talked about love bombing okay what does that look like love bombing is something that kind of happens with very toxic, unhealthy relationships. It's where somebody starts, you know, showering you um, with all kinds of compliments or will, you know, give you all kinds of gifts or do all kinds of things. And it's in an effort to kind of manipulate you to get what they want. So a lot of the times you'll see in unhealthy relationships and sometimes even abusive relationships, somebody will love bomb you to get you to be attached and then they like hold you up on this pedestal and then you know it's a very unhealthy view of who you are as a person but it feels so good especially for people that are insecure or have had a very difficult you know upbringing or didn't get a lot of you know affirmation growing up or something like that so they can be very susceptible to this type of behavior and it's usually in the effort of grooming Mm -hmm. Or to, you know, get what somebody wants from you. And it usually stops after a certain point. Mm -hmm. And then that person becomes very distant. And then the person that 
received the love bombing starts really trying to get the relationship they had in the first place with that person but they they never can they can't they start receiving what's called breadcrumbing which is where the person that was love bombing at first just gives them tiny little breadcrumbs to string Mm -hmm. them along so it's the whole carrot effect like okay if you do this i'll give you this yeah and there's a lot of so toxic and, and a lot of these um relationships these affair relationships um have all of that stuff present Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting that you said that. Protecting what is important to you, right? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you always in forefront. You protect the things that you know are valuable. Valuable, exactly. Definitely. So you're not going to hand over your, you know, million dollar glass vase to your two year old to mess with. No. You know what I mean? So <laughs> you, you wouldn't do that with your marriage either. So some of the some of the problems and aftermath after an affair. Tell us a little bit about the trauma that it causes and the shame they always tend to wonder what they have done right um they go through the stages of grieving just like with any loss because it's a loss you know it's a it's a tearing of the actual marriage your marriage is not going to be the same once a person steps out of that marriage that marriage is done as you know it right because all trust has been severed and broken so it leaves the person feeling really grieved about everything. It, it makes them question the very fabric and thread that, hey, man, has this whole marriage been a sham? Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's completely devastating for yeah, the person. Absolutely. It rips away the entire idea that the other spouse had about the marriage. The, the spouse that was faithful in the marriage, they have this picture and idea of the marriage um, as it, you know, good memories and stuff. And then when they look back on those memories and they realize that during those good memories, their spouse was unfaithful during those times, it just completely taints and destroys all those good memories. Mm-hmm. So it's incredibly destructive and traumatizing to the person that was betrayed. They didn't they say that it's like equivalent of the loss Loss of of a child, the loss of a child. That's how traumatic affairs can be to a marriage. It is absolutely traumatic. And the reason is because we, as human beings, we were built for attachment. And when you step out of the marriage, you step out of your main attachment. It is such a betrayal it is so hurtful, so harmful. And so people that really want to heal for from an affair and they really want to change their marriage and stuff, you really need to be walking with extreme empathy for the person that is hurting. Absolutely. That empathy is probably the number one thing, right? It's putting yourself in the other person's shoes. And that goes both ways for the, the person that caused the affair and then the person who is on the other end of it, right? Um, someone who had an affair, right? Who who stepped out of the marriage, right? That person has to be able to put themselves in their partner's shoes and understand that they're possibly going, there's a lot of shame around what they have done, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You know, and when you're constantly bombarding and, 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 and getting upset, not making the whole process safe, you're really causing more harm than good well what happens is that the person that has been betrayed wants to understand 
what took place. Mm -hmm. They weren't there. So they're trying to get a picture of it, of what happened so they can understand. They're trying to get all the information they can to see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. And they can't do it. So what they do is they continue to ask questions. Yes. And the person that committed the affair is drowning in shame. So they get defensive and they don't want to answer the questions. Mm-hmm. So so they really just need to put that to the side. Because if you want to reconcile in your marriage after you were the person that went out on the marriage, you need to put your shame to the side and really have empathy for the pain that you caused. Yes, I like that you said the pain that you've caused. Yes, because, man, the person that um, didn't, ca- didn't do the affair, they didn't ask for that pain. Right. You know, but now they're having to deal with something you've caused. And the person who's caused that has to walk in empathy, knowing Mm -hmm. that, man, I'm the reason why my spouse is feeling this way. Yeah. Right. Basically, the person that went out of the marriage and committed the affair has taken this huge box of stinking junk and handed it to their faithful spouse and said, here, you have to carry this and sort through it for me. Yeah, because I just made a huge mess, but Mm. they no longer can really heal the person that they hurt. No. Now it becomes that person's responsibility to do the work for healing. Wow. No, it's crazy that you said that because I was just thinking, man, what we talked about earlier in the last couple episodes on this uh, forgiveness series, how forgiveness is not fair or it's not just it's not and don't be deceived in thinking that time heals all wounds no because it doesn't it's you really need to get in touch with somebody that is competent in affairs Mm -hmm. otherwise just general counselors can do mass destruction in the marriage well how many people have we dealt with that they thought they had the proper um, guidance mm-hmm. through this mm-hmm. and two three years down the line they're back at it again yeah S- step one man like yeah. if it was the first day of of discovery of the affair yeah, yeah. oh you bring up a great great yeah. point there man when you are trying to heal from an affair mm. it is so important that when the information comes out it all comes out on that one day yes if you do the trickle truth where you just let out a little bit information here and then a few weeks down the road there's a new amount of information and then a month down the road something new comes up you are traumatizing your spouse over and over and over just like it was the first time so what we're getting at folks for you guys who are listening if you're going to tell the truth and come clean about your adulterous ways pull the band-aid right off right out the gate let them know i mean you don't have to give them details you know like sexual details or anything like that because that's traumatizing in itself yes you never want to do comparison details no you do want to tell them the truth of the extent of what the affair was, how involved you were emotionally, what that person meant to you, what the affair meant to you, and how often it took place in the ways that it took place, such as via email, you know, the ways of communication where you guys met up, those types of things. Do not 
go into details about comparison. Was this person taller than me? Did this person have a better body than me? Were certain anatomy parts larger or smaller or you know what I mean those types of questions are very harmful and you need to refrain from even asking those questions because that can really do a lot of damage mm-hmm. no I like that you said that the comparison too because they downplay right when they go into an affair they go with someone who Oh, they call it a fair down. A fair down. So you actually, a lot of the time, studies prove that people will choose somebody that is actually lower in, I guess, looks or, you know, status or whatever, because you're looking for somebody to look up at you, Mm. to idolize you almost in a sense. So a lot of the times, I mean, there's been stories of women that have had affairs with homeless men men that have had affairs with women that weighed like seven, like 400 pounds, pounds yep. all these different types of stories. And that even hurts the spouse even more because the spouse is the betrayed spouse. Their natural reaction is to compare themselves. Mm-hmm. Why wasn't I good enough? Exactly. And they see that and they're like, oh, holy smokes. This person is not like me at all. What would you see in them? And it leaves them questioning, right? Right, definitely. And it's like, it's so painful. It's so painful. Mm-hmm. It's it's just do everything you can to never go down that road. These people that cause affairs or ha- go out and have an affair don't realize the aftermath that they're going to cause we're talking people that will lose their jobs, their positions, lose all their friends, get kicked out of church, lose their relationships with their children. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. It is an incredibly shameful act to commit. And it also causes shame in the person that was betrayed too. Mm-hmm. No, no, that was, that was good. Thank you for uh, covering that. Um you said something that was pretty important. I thought it was that time does not heal all wounds. Right. Right. Yeah. You definitely need to work with somebody mm-hmm. that specializes in affairs because they can help you transform your pain. And because if you don't, what happens? It transfers. You transfer it onto somebody. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that's your, your kids. kids or it's to the spouse that you hope to reconcile with. Mm-hmm but you just can't get over that pain. So it really, really just festers. And, you know, you just, it affects every relationship that you have in life. I like that you said that, you know, pain not transferred or transformed gets transferred, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's important because people going through that or whatever, you know, through affairs and stuff like that, when you're trying to heal, right? And you have these emotional wounds that are deep set inside you caused by the other person, and you're trying to deal with that, you have to be very, very aware of what you're saying, what you're doing. Because our kids, if you have, especially when kids are involved, right? Mm -hmm. Because their kids are watching everything. Mm -hmm. They know when the dynamic is changed in the household, the whole environment gets changed, right? Mm -hmm. And that can deeply affect our children. You know, they can start um, acting out in anger, Mm -hmm. um, start getting in fights at school, uh, getting bad grades, cutting themselves, all these different things that they can start doing. You know what I mean? So it's very important for you to, as hard as it seems, 
to really control your emotions. That's the only thing you can control is you and how you respond because you can't control your spouse because I think a lot of times the spouse will go into this mode where he's trying to control the situation by taking away the spouse's phone or you can't go here, you can't go here or whatever, right? And that's mm -hmm. controlling, right? If the person, there, there's already things that had happened in the marriage that have led up to the affair, you being controlling is not going to cause it to go better. No, it's going to make it worse. Make it worse, right? It's going to make it way worse. And just as a side note, don't tell your kids. Yeah. If you find out that your spouse did this, you need to just keep it between you and your spouse. Absolutely. When it comes to adult children, that's very different, but you should definitely work with a professional in regards to this. But there is no need to be telling your children if you went through this type of situation or you're dealing with this. I do want to say, mm -hmm. though, that there is hope mm -hmm. for those that have had a, an affair in their marriage and the spouse that was betrayed they don't want they didn't want their marriage to end know that there is hope mm -hmm. if you get in touch with the right people and you get the right kind of help you guys can actually move on. There are tons of couples out there that have actually healed from affairs and move on to have a better marriage. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we don't hear about it is because they don't talk about it. They don't tell everybody mm -hmm. about it. In fact, they just work on it together. You, If you're in that situation where you believe that you guys can work through it, mm -hmm. just know that you will work on things in the marriage that you never thought you would ever work on and you can actually build a new marriage yeah because it's not going to be the same marriage, right the old marriage is dead so it'll never be the same mm -hmm. but you can rebuild a new marriage and it can actually be better mm -hmm. than the first marriage there's a lot of um like statistics out there and stuff like that the people that actually leave a marriage for an affair partner and go on to stay with that person almost like 90 percent of them fail yeah because it's just a vanity yeah. fantasy type of marriage i mean and they usually try to stick it out together because they are thinking to themselves i ruined my whole life for this now we have to prove to everyone it was worth it mm. but it doesn't mean that they're happy no. A lot of the time, they're not. A lot of the time, that person is not at all what they thought that person was. Absolutely not. Well, it falls back to what you said about the the vanity mirror and only giving you the 20% that you didn't receive from your husband, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that's important to, to understand, guys. Um, what are some of the things that so we talked about that there is hope, right? Working mm -hmm. through the marriage, mm -hmm. um, being empathetic is a big thing. Creating a safe space is something mm -hmm. else that we want to talk about. When mm -hmm. you guys are discussing, you guys are triggered and having a, uh, emotional breakdowns, right? Because this is a very traumatic thing. I think it's safe for you guys to create a safe space to be able to talk, mm -hmm. right? And when it gets heated, because it will get heated, to be able to recognize that and call a break, a call a timeout, man. Yeah, definitely. Hold the pull regroup come back doesn't mean that you haven't finished what you're saying right it just means that right now you guys are heightened right mm -hmm. 
Too emotional. Too emotional to even deal rationally to where people can't even understand or hear or comprehend what the other person is trying to say. So you, at that moment, you guys got to hold the pull, stop, and then come back and discuss it again when you guys are less triggered. Yes. If you're finding yourself in this position, uh, unfortunately, please know that it takes up anywhere from 18 to, to 24 months. Yeah before it starts to stabilize and you start to heal. So that means that your life is probably going to be a, an emotional roller coaster yes. for about two years. And I know that seems really, really scary and stuff like that, but please know that it's not an emotional roller coaster. The whole time there's going to be highs and lows and different types of things that you're going to go through. But as long as you see the signs for reconciliation and stuff like that. And you continue to work. They, they actually say you shouldn't even make a decision yeah. for divorce until after about 24 months. Yeah, right. 24 months, yeah. But let's kind of go through some of the signs that yeah. you want to look for in the characteristics of the person that you want to reconcile with. Yeah, definitely. Things to look for, for reconciliation. You want to make sure that that person is, Rebuilding that trust because we talked about how that trust was severed. Okay. Trust can be replaced with truth. So if that person is being truthful to you, it can start building up the trust that was lost. And what I mean by that, they say that trust is earned in drops and lost in buckets, right? So when they start replacing with truths, like not lying, like being transparent, right? Um, telling you, hey, this is what happened to me at work today, or this person reached out to me or whatever, as hurtful as it may seem, and it might even trigger you, right? Know that that person is trying to rebuild the trust that they have lost with you. Okay, they're yeah. working on it. And that's, a, that's one of the signs that I see that people can look forward to, or, or to, to be aware of is truth. Yes. Replacing yeah. trust with truth. Yeah. So if you're just, you know, very transparent and honest about what's happening, what's going to take place is that the person that was betrayed is going to be questioning super everything. Super heightened, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to be have have their little truth radar on. So if you lied about, you know, buying a chicken sandwich when you really bought a hamburger that person is going to be like, oh my gosh, they lied here. What else are they lying to me about? Mm -hmm. And that's why it's so important to be really honest. You can replace that trust with honesty. Mm -hmm. The other thing that we really need to look for is has that person stopped the affair? Yes. You cannot rebuild your relationship until that person has stopped the affair. Mm. They really need to cut off that relationship with their affair partner. If they are not cutting off that relationship with their affair partner, it's probably not a safe situation. No, absolutely not. They have to cut all ties. When we say pull the Band-Aid, pull the Band-Aid off because they have to literally cut them in the clear. Sometimes that means leaving your job. Yeah, leaving your Sometimes job. Sometimes that means moving. Some, you know, whatever it looks like for your family, mm -hmm. but you guys have to make rational decisions and decide between the two of you of what is going to work for your family. Mm. You know what I mean? And if that person does have to keep their job, then you really need to put up some boundaries. 
that will make each make your betrayed partner feel safe. That is the utmost important thing in this situation is making sure your betrayed partner feels safe because, you know, they don't know what you're doing on your own time and they can't be with you 24 seven. What are some other things to look for, for reconciliation? So we talked about truth, replacing a, a truth or replacing trust with truth, right? We talked about um, stopping the affair, stopping the affair. And then also the uh, person really has to have like some serious change right well they really have to show that they are remorseful yes they are really actually sorry for what they did and to have great empathy if they're playing the whole blame game the whole time well i only did it because you don't sleep with me or we haven't had you know you don't dress nice or whatever. And so I need to go out with all these women or, you know, whatever it is, if they continue to play the blame game, there's no empathy, there's no remorse, remorse, then, then that's not a good sign. That's, that's somebody that doesn't want to change. Exactly. It's someone who doesn't want to change and who honestly doesn't have your best interest. Right. At all. Right. right? And, so. and then also you want to make sure that that person, um, is safe to work through the problems. Yes. So what does that look like? You want to make sure that when they come to you with truth, right? When they're trying to replace that trust that they lost with you with truth, that you're allowing them to be able to come to you with truth and speak to you, right? Mm-hmm. You're not, you're, you're in control of yourself. You're not freaking out. You're not name point or name calling uh pointing fingers and you this you this you this or anything like that because these person you got to remember guys the person who betrayed you your spouse if they're going through this process and they're telling you all these hurtful things and they're staying there with you that means that they want the marriage to work Mm -hmm. okay so by you continuously bashing them and i get it you're going to be angry you're going to be upset and you have every right to be but you can't lose your cool. Anger is is a totally natural emotion, right? But when you start hurting people through your anger, that's when it gets bad. And when your spouse is trying to come to you to build that trust and you're not making a safe space for them to come to you because you are out of control in that moment, it's devastating. Yeah, you definitely don't want to move into the space of abusiveness. No. Out of your anger. And then also... For the person that was betrayed, if they have questions and they're coming to that unfaithful spouse and they're asking questions about the affair and that spouse is not safe and they start getting angry out of their shame Mm. and will not answer you and will not give you the full story and will not talk to you out of empathy, that's a bad sign. Yeah, We need to be looking for that empathy. We need to be working on those things. And Unfortunately, this is the reality of the consequences of making these decisions of going out on the marriage. So if somebody's telling you, oh, well, you already forgave me. You already did this. You already did that. No, that person still needs you to talk to them about it. And that could go on for years and years and years. There's no time limit on it, but it can't be all consuming and abusive either. No. It, it needs to be in a healthy manner. So if they're asking questions, they have questions and they need to know stuff for their own healing process. But if it's like 
to a point where it's, you know, they're asking questions and then they're taking what you tell them and they're throwing it right back at you and they're belittling you and they're doing awful things with that information. That's not healthy either. No, absolutely not. But I think a lot of times why people do that is because they're building a case because they themselves aren't sure if they want to stay. Yes. Yeah. And that's normal, right? Yeah, that's a normal the thing. The ambivalence where you aren't sure you still love that person, but you don't know, you hate that person at the same time, you have two contradictory feelings at the same time, that can last for a, up to the 24-month period Yeah, where you are not sure if you want to be in that marriage. Or some days you, are, you do want to be in the marriage. Some days you don't. And that's why they say you shouldn't make a major decision mm -hmm. until you've gone, you've committed to working through it with the spouse. Absolutely. So we talked about things to look for in reconciliation, if that person is safe or not to stay in the mm -hmm. marriage, right? Yeah. Now, you mentioned something about boundaries. How can one set boundaries? Well, they need to be healthy. Okay. And you need to know that boundaries, okay, it's, you talked about control. Yes. There's a difference. There's a difference between the boundaries and control. If you're controlling somebody not to do go out on you and have an affair, I get it. It's because you're afraid that you're, the pain is going to get caused again, mm -hmm. right? You're yeah. going to get hurt again. So that's why you're controlling. But that isn't necessarily a boundary. No. Okay. A boundary is when you say, you know what? I do not want to exist in a marriage where you're sleeping with other women. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean that I'm going to go and physically do everything I can to stop you from doing that. That just means that that boundary is there. And if you choose to go and sleep with other women, then you no longer can have a marriage. Mm -hmm. Well, it falls back to controlling the things that you can't control and you can't control your spouse. If your spouse wants to step out in the marriage again, mm -hmm. you cannot control that and you will drive yourself insane. I know people that will go to great lengths to make sure that their spouse, whether it be husband or wife, is not cheating again. They yeah. will lose sleep over it. They will make themselves sick. Hello, newsflash. If they're going to cheat, they're going to cheat. There's nothing you can do. Right. You know? And it's so unfortunate. It's yeah. so heartbreaking. And it can cause a hypervigilance in you where you're in fight or flight all the time, but it's just so, so unhealthy. And also when you are controlling your spouse, you're not really giving them the opportunity to know whether they want to be in the relationship or not. Mm, explain. And you yourself are just setting up the marriage for, for, you know, failure, for yeah. failure. Yeah. Because if they're being controlled where you take the car away or you take the money away or you take the phone away or whatever, they can't exist in a normal, healthy life to decide and choose you. Mm. I like that you said that because when you start taking stuff all away like that, isn't that basically telling them that I cannot trust you. You cannot make wise decisions. You are not an adult. Mm -hmm. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that, 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 that could have been the cause of the infidelity in the first place or not the cause, but one of the main ingredients, you know, if you're treating your spouse like a child. Right. right? Yeah. Yeah. So how is that going to fix it? If you're going to do that again, right. Yes. Out, out of the pain, out of fear of reliving the pain again. Right? Exactly. 
I like that you said that boundaries, right? Mm -hmm. Well, boundaries for me is saying that I love myself enough to not allow you to continue down a path that's going to hurt me. Right. Right. And you're, if you continue to do that, then there are natural consequences for that. Absolutely. You can no longer be in the marriage. Not I'm going to do everything I can to prevent you. Yeah. I'm going to manipulate you. Right. I'm going to take the phone away from you if you don't behave or, right. or, or whatever it may be. So let's just talk about when you think it might be time to leave. I think when it is time to leave is when you see that the spouse, one that the the one that stepped out of the marriage, right, is unsafe. And what I mean by unsafe, when they have not severed contact with the uh, the affair partner, when they continuously do things that led up to the adultery, such as, you know, say if it's a man, if he's continuously in pornography, Mm -hmm. if he's still going to the website, CD websites, if he's keeping in contact with his affair partner. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. If they're, they're continuous flirting, if there's abuse, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Anything continuous lying, lying. Uh, If the person, basically what it boils down to is the person is unrepentive. And what we mean by that is, they have not turned away from the behaviors that led them to the affair. And they have no desire to turn away from that. They do not take responsibility yeah. or accountability for how their actions have hurt you or the, the way their actions have destroyed their marriage. So those are the major signs. If that person does not want to work on the marriage, they will not be repentive. They won't change their ways. They won't want to work on it. They will not be empathetic. They will not be open with you about everything that they did. And the basically the, the path to forgiveness is the same as it is in forgiving in marriage. You know, our podcast about that, mm-hmm. you know, where you go to the person, you talk to them, but it is a process that you have to continuously choose you're not going to feel like you forgive that person right away. It is a choice that you make every day. Yes, absolutely. It is an active choice that we have to make. Um, and just remember, guys, for, for those who are going through this or who have gone through this, you know, there is hope. Okay. Mm-hmm. The death of a marriage is not adultery. The death of a marriage is divorce. Yes. And I know we hear a lot of things in the Bible, like, Some people will say, oh, well, you know, the Bible does say you can divorce if there has been adultery, but it doesn't say you must divorce if there's been adultery. So keep that in mind. There is always a chance for reconciliation if the person displays, you know, all these healthy things and they are really wanting to change. Mm -hmm. But just know that you can still work on your marriage and stuff like that. Divorce is the ultimate abandonment Mm. yes and the marriage that you're stepping into if you decide to stay with that partner is not the same marriage and why would you want that same marriage that marriage is the one that failed yeah the marriage the marriage the way it was before is what led you to the path that you're on now so Mm -hmm. you definitely want to rebuild and it you if you want you can look at it as a new opportunity to really work on the things that you never got a chance to Exactly. So it's all about your mindset and the way you're going to look at it and tackle the problem. Mm -hmm. 
So yeah. I hope this helped you guys. This message helped you. I know that this is something that's plaguing uh, a lot of marriages out there and our heart is for the family, mm-hmm. right? You have no idea the repercussions when this happens, right? When the parents are separated, that leaves your children vulnerable to outside forces that are beyond us. Yep. Okay. Yep. So just remember that. How do you, how throughout the ages, people conquered nations by divide and conquer. Don't let that be your family. Don't let your family be divided mm-hmm. and conquered. Yeah. And if you're going through this type of situation uh, right now in your marriage, please know that there are good, uh, wonderful organizations that yes. help. There's one that we recommend. It's called affairrecovery.com. They have tons of resources online and they even offer support groups. Absolutely. So once again, thank you for joining us on this. I want to end in prayer real quick for those of you who are struggling. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus Christ, Lord. We thank you for each and every one of the couples that are listening to this. We thank you this message is going out to just uh, to really bring hope to those who are struggling right now, Lord. Father, you know our heart is for the family, Lord. And Father, we know that that was your perfect design for us, Lord, is having this family, Lord, the family unit. So Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I want to pray for healing over each and every one of those people that are listening to this right now. If they're thinking about adultery, if they're thinking about divorce, Lord God, Father, I pray that you just bring them peace that surpasses all understanding, that you put in front of them resources that they can reach out to that will help them, Lord God, navigate these problems and that they will get it right, Lord God. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, our whole foundation is designed to prepare the next generations of dads to lead their families. So we hope that you'll consider partnering with us and this important work that we have stepped out to do. Your tax-deductible gift of 50, 100, or 250 can empower another dad with the resources he needs to be the hero he wants to be for his children and his family. Every donation matters, and we thank you for your guys' support.